Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. In June of this year, a member's bill in the name of Green MP Chloe Swarbrick was introduced to Parliament. The bill is called the Sale and Supply of Alcohol Harm Minimisation Amendment Bill, and it aims to reduce alcohol harm by empowering councils to implement their own alcohol policies by removing special appeals, and by reducing what Swarbrick describes as the normalisation and glamorisation of alcohol, through banning sponsorship and advertising of broadcast sports teams and events. The bill needs 61 votes from MPs to pass its first reading in Parliament so it can proceed to a select committee. Recently, the Dunedin City Council voted unanimously to support Parliament passing the bill to select committee, where it can be open for public and expert submissions. Uh, Speaking to me now is Dunedin City Councillor Jim O'Malley. Kia ora, Jim. Kia ora, Seb. Jim, why do you think it is uh, that the bill has received such uh, widespread support from Dunedin's councillors? And is it quite rare to see such unanimous support uh, or unanimous motions passed within the Dunedin City Council? Well, one of the contributing factors might have been that Councillor Vandivis had left the room by that stage. But we have a lot of 14-1 votes. Um, was it unusual? No, I think I think it reflects a frustration that all territorial authorities who, who have roles under the um, Sale and Supply of Alcohol Act 2012 um, in setting up their local alcohol policies were all pretty much stymied when they were trying to get those policies up by the appeals process, which, you know, featured basically very big national organisations who would take on one council at a time. Uh, that was the... So it's that part of the bill that has really got the council behind... Right. You know, the council laws behind it. Yep. So the bill would uh, put increased power in the hands of the community and local councils. Um, yep to create an alter legislation around alcohol. Are there any specific legislative moves that you or other councillors want to see in Dunedin? Legislative moves. Um, if this, endorse, if this um, amendment bill goes through, amendment, the amendments from this bill go through around the appeals process, the general consensus is, and that's why almost every city in the country has got behind it, is that we'll be able to develop our LAPs properly. Um, and that will be that's probably the biggest change we need to see to be honest at the moment LAPs so local alcohol policies right so um, when we're, we have one already and it's not quite what the council would have wanted um, because of the appeals process and so what, what with that gone we'll be able to write better ones basically right. and, and that includes the appropriate um, kind of facilities in the north end for the students because mm. that's a particular you know user party if you want to call it anything else that's really important to us mm. of course uh, and, and this bill has um, Swarbrick's bill has a two-pronged approach to targeting alcohol harm it focuses on giving power to the community and banning alcohol sponsorship and sp- and sport, on the other hand. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so Forsyth Bar is the third largest stadium in the country, and it's pretty fair to say that there's a somewhat boozy culture surrounding it, and th- that's particularly true for students. Mm-hmm. What impact could you foresee this bill having on you know, major sporting events, uh, events in Otopoti? Probably the same impact that they did when they um, outlawed tobacco advertising in sport, which is almost none mm. in the end because you'll find your sponsor from another source in terms of your sponsorship. And the whole, whole idea of removing the advertising is removing the normalisation component of it. Mm. So we're looking at alcohol through the correct lens. But, you know, I'm no prohibitionist. Mm. Um, so I'm not talking about 
taking alcohol out of the community. Basically, you know, I agree with that second component of the bill as well, but that's going to be the contentious one. Mm. And that's why the other part of that notice of motion the Mayor put forward was telling all the other political parties, please let this go through the first reading so that this can go to select committee. Because mm. there's a possibility it won't. I mean, I, Grant Robinson's kind of already done a little bit of backtracking on the second part of the bill. Right. And yeah. should it pass to another reading in Parliament, you think you think there might be some, you know, uh, some retraction, some backwards stepping on that second part of the bill? I would not be all that surprised, but that's the whole point of the select committee process, and that's when the communities get involved, and you can look at those amendments and ask, you know, which ones do you want in and which ones actually do you not want in? Mm. And that's, whole, really, that's the whole point of the select committee, really. Yeah. So in your eyes, the crux of the bill is the first part, the giving power back to the community and... Listen, that's, that in itself, if that was the only success of this bill, it would be still a major success. Right. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure Chloe Swarbrick wants the whole lot to go through, mm. um, but I would say if it's a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I would prefer at least the first half goes through. Um, but I don't think the second half is going to be the end of civilization as we know it either. I mean, as I said, we did this to tobacco advertising well, almost 30 years ago. No one can even remember that happened, but it used to be that the cigarette manufacturers were the huge sponsors of sport. Yeah, it, w- it was interesting, eh? It was quite, quite counterintuitive, um, all these athletes kind of being sponsored by, you know, some... Pretty- Benson and Hedges. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Some yeah, yeah. damaging respiratory cancer sticks, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Jim, what, what other uh, efforts is the DCC putting in to minimise alcohol harm in the city? Are there any other um, areas we're looking at? Well, it's probably through the, the lap that you actually set your structural stuff up. And I, I would have to say that this is probably questions better for someone like David Benson-Pope, who sits on the planning, the chair's planning and environment where this sits. But, you know, the city is, is statutory obliged to set up the district licensing committee, so that's the committee that looks at all licensing. I guess from my perspective, back to you, and this is a personal perspective rather than a city one, and that is that the issues that exist around the, around the north end, in my opinion, there's a lot of them due to the fact of loss of venues mm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that is really a big issue for alcohol harm is the massive differential in price between a supermarket beer, let's say, and a beer over-the-counter at a bar. Mm. And that's moving people away from supervised and regulated areas to home and, you know, everybody's preloading before they head out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we could address some of that, I reckon we could create... An environment which is safe for people, but not curving. I remember my 20s. I don't really want someone in the 50s and 60s telling me how to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming up in conversation a lot. Dunedin has a severe lack of venues. But on, on, on the topic of, you know, uh, the price differential between supermarket beer and uh, over-the-bar beer, it, yeah. what, what's the solution to that? Are we, are we meant to, you know... Decrease the price? As a, is it, does it fall upon bars, local bars, to kind of decrease the price of their beer to make it more accessible? Or what? I, I, this, will, this will be more of a central government issue because I think you're looking at the wholesalers and what are they charging. Mm. They're probably getting a really low margin but happy enough to do it. Mm. And then you do have to look at the business model of bars. I mean, in the days of the cook in the gardens, there was five or six bar staff probably serving well over 100 people. Mm. So the amount of wages you had to pull out of each drink was a lot lower than it is in these small bars, so that'll be part of the contributing factor. Mm. Um, I guess that's what I'm looking at. You know, it would be good if the university 
IWSA and the city got together to talk about what's appropriate mm. for the North End. I mean, I used to work as a barman of the student union. That was an enormous bar in its day. Can't, doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, no, can't imagine much Yeah, beer being poured on, uh, you know, university grounds anymore. Uh, no, I know. Well, we used to have functions that had over a 1,000 people at them on Capping Week. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, and that was all inside a facility that was really well supervised. Yeah. And um, I still think that's the best place to be doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jim, mm. thanks so much for your time, mate. Um, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come talk to us on Radio 1. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the chance to say something. Of course. All right. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. This was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.